This is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean and Pierre Novelli. You can text the show on 8.12.15. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Frank on the Radio. Email the show via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. Hi. Morning. Hi, as they say on Glee. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing? I um, allow everyone... And people with hangovers and um, people who've shot themselves out and are listening to this on their phone in the garden mm. waiting for the fire brigade. Good fire morning. Brigade. Yeah. Good morning to you. They still come, don't they? Do I am wearing a lanyard. Yes. yes. I don't, I don't got often wear it. something of the civil service about you this morning. And it yeah. says on it, Frank Skinner MBE. That's what it <laughs> says on my lanyard. And dangling from my lanyard. Oh, here we go. Is, um, well, it's my, my pen of choice. It's the, um, the four-colour um, original, which I've been um, speaking much of just lately. I should say that this was sent to me by Paul Roberts from Stockport, who's also a poet, and he sent me his poetry book as well. Um, I want to tell you something about these four-colour pens. In case you don't know what I'm talking about, in case you, you haven't listened to the show recently, it's fine. Um, Is it? It's one of those pens that's got four slides on it, a a green, black, red and blue, and you slide down the colour that you're using at that time. I found it's made my life so streamlined. I heard someone's phone. Was it mine? I bet it was mine. Should we all take a look? It wasn't mine. It's not not great radio. (gasps) It's not me. Mine might be on because um, I was... It was me. I okay. It's the least professional thing I've ever done. Your wow. pen alert going off. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Um, <laughs> so, um, what is the least professional thing you've ever done? I think probably on. I was on a Zoe Ball show yesterday morning, so it's quite recent. <laughs> and um, we all had. To, there was me, Paul Whitehouse, and Stephen Mangan, and we all had to draw each other because Stephen Mangan hosts uh, an art show. Yeah which I used to do. And so we were all drawing. Now, I find they actually had a, a, a painting of a horse that I did on Taskmaster, the uh, popular Radio 4 show. Um, and I painted that horse whilst, whilst riding a horse. Channel 4. Did I say it? Sorry, obviously. Um, sorry, Channel 4. Thank you. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so I was riding a horse round and round an arena... And there was another horse standing nearby. And every time I went past that horse, I painted a bit more of it on my... I had, like, a canvas fitted to my saddle. Yeah. So they had that. And I, the point I, I made about it, it was actually quite a good painting of a horse. And I actually... It's, it's the best I ever rode. I did a fabulous rising trot, which was smooth as silk. <laughs> and I think one could argue... That You've if, changed, Frank. Yeah, You've changed. If you were the MBE, I've become very equestrian. In fact, I have a Jim Carner tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know if you remember Jim Carner. He was in the Rockford Files. Oh. Anyway, so... Um, my, I started to think maybe the best way to do something is to be doing something else because you don't worry so much yeah. about it. Mm. So my painting, I wasn't thinking all oh, that nails is a bit wrong. I was too busy trying to stay on the horse. And my and my riding, I wasn't worrying about the, the horse. I was I was worried about my painting. So it worked. So they gave us this, and that, that, I found that very distracting, drawing Stephen Mangan, mm. who... Um, was once described in a show I saw as looking like the donkey from Shrek, and he really does. He does. (laughs) Um, Lovely bloke. But anyway, so they were talking about the fact, Zoe Ball said, um, yeah, well, you you used to do Stephen's show, didn't you? You used to do the job before him. And I said, yeah, and I'm drawing away, scratching your knees, it's the sound of me drawing. Yeah, I... uh, I used to do that. Yeah, they actually told me the told me I was hated on set by the crew and stuff. So I left. And then after I thought, yeah, I don't know if I'd have come out with that if I was uh, hadn't been trying to get his nose right. So um, yes, that's certainly one of the least professional things I've ever done. Frank Skinner.
So, uh, yes, so that's that was my uh, least professional thing ever. Um, and um, p- pathetically, later in the show, when I realised that I'd said this thing, yes. I said, actually, looking back, I think I don't think he said I was hating on the set. I think he said disliked. <laughs> As if that was going <laughs> to pull me out the whole pathetic. Oh. Absolutely pathetic. Speaking of pathetic, I found the other day... Um, a piece of paper which was tucked in another book, and it was, it had a couple of ideas for this show. All right. No. And do you remember when? when <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when I used to do um, whatever happened to's on here? Yeah. So I would say. And then it'd be stuff like neuralgia and stuff like yeah. that yeah and things that yeah. you just uh, that have gone and uh, it was you know it, it, it's i suppose you, i could now do whatever happened to whatever happened to that yes. feature but anyway i found one that i'd written as a suggestion mm. uh, to myself um whatever happened to harems <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a good uh, text it's first, first Jim Carner. Another. The last harem. When was the last? I mean, the last. They one might I- still exist in some parts of the world. Maybe. Do they? I think they sort of died out with the 1960s films. There were sort think- of ladies wandering around. I mean, you don't get them these uh, days. Harry Styles must have one. <laughs> Surely. They're only ever. The word only ever pops up in a kind of uh, cynical. Oh, your harem of admirers. Yes. Well, it's way. only it's used with uh, Casanovas again. Whatever happened well, to I did your Casanova? Say, I'm I said it to my son a few years ago. Uh-huh. I, I say probably eighteen months ago, and he'd he'd been ill, and he had uh, three um, young girls from his class. Obviously, they're young girls from his class, um, and. Uh, they were on like Zoom talking to him, and I said, "Oh, what, what did your harem have to say?" And he said, "That is such an old person's thing to say." And I thought, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. "Awful." Yeah. So that was absolute diabolical liberty. <laughs> so um, I want to tell you about my uh, about my pen, about my four collar pen. Okay. Because. Um, Again, this is one where different colours slide down. And I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be great? Because I never used the green ink. Yeah. When would you When would you write in, in green ink? What would that well, context I, I be? Well, I know the answer to that, I'm Go afraid. On. I think it is people... Uh, apparently people... have to be careful here. I think people would often write angry letters in oh, green ink. It's associated really? with ah. anger. Oh. Yeah. I can tell I know you. someone that received a letter, sorry, from uh, a, a high-profile prisoner. I won't mention them, mm. but in green ink. Oh. Mm. As an okay. ink. I can tell you that traditionally the head of MI6 signs off as C in green ink because the first head of MI6 did that. Okay. So it's become C. a sort of... The one time... You see, there's M, Q, C, you know. Oh, shut up. If I was... Um, C, yeah. If I was Mark Ruffalo, yes, I would do my. Tell me more. I would do. Um, <laughs> I'd hammer in the morning. If I was Mark Ruffalo, who plays the Hulk, mm. I would do my autographs in green, <sighs> just Which as was. a little subtle oh. little. I think people would love. Wouldn't you love a green Mark Ruffalo autograph? Yeah, well, also, you're right, actually. Would you do it if you were sort of a horticulturalist as well? Be on brand. I think it's a good idea. Like a celebrity gardener should do that. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah? Thematic colouring. Yeah. Yeah, um, Titchmarsh, you think? Yes. Yeah, Titchmarsh. <laughs> or just a big green thumbprint. It just... No, oh, it's fingers. Isn't it fingers that need to be green? <laughs> Not thumbs. You're stretching, <laughs> stretching it out a bit. Isn't it green th- a green thumb? Oh, no, it's a green fingers. Who's isn't your favourite green oh. celebrity? Hold on, we've had a digit-based <laughs> debate. <laughs> My favourite one? Green celebrity. Um, Kermit. I've got to go giant. Come on, the corn giant. Oh. <laughs> yes, he's got a certain charisma. I've had a bit of a he's a bit of an obscure crush of mine oh the, the Johnny Green Giant yes yeah don't fall for that Johnny thing I've, I've heard he's quite I've heard he's hated on set <laughs> 
Absolute Radio. Frank, we've got some green ink correspondence. Okay. Not in green ink, which is rather remiss of them. Is it from Professor Green? No. He could could use it. Yeah? Mm -hmm. You you got on with him, actually. Yeah, I did. That's a a friend of Frank's, Professor Green, yeah. And uh, not only did I really get on with Professor Green... He said a very interesting thing to me. He said he never trusts anyone who has more than three friends, <laughs> which I really liked. But also I told Frankie Boyle um, about meeting Professor Green. He'd met him as well. And um, he said, yeah, he said he looks like the sort of man who offers you unsolicited advice when you're on a fruit machine. <laughs> And I laugh for about ten minutes at that. Anyway, sorry. Uh, We've heard from Baz. Right. Who says, many teachers are now told to mark students' work in green ink as apparently red ink is seen as too threatening. (sighs) I'm not one of these blokes who says, oh, but sometimes. I am. Okay. Andy... Andy in Mansfield. Okay. Andy Yates in Mansfield. I have a mate who works for Seven Trent Water at the local sewage works, and he signs in brown ink. Oh, no. (laughs) Does he? (laughs) I wish, let's hope that it is brown ink. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I bet he's got got some lovely tomatoes at his house. And we've heard from if the Ama- stories are true. Amanda in Leighton Buzzard, Frank Green Ink is traditionally used by auditors. Is it really? Mm. Maybe that's because of money was always thought of as green, greenbacks and stuff. Could be. Yeah. Money focused, thematic. Yeah, I like it. Oh, I'll tell you who uses green ink, Frank. Neil Gaiman, the writer. Does he? Well, he sent me a card once with a green ink. Oh. Well, it's, this has gone much further yeah. than I expected. <laughs> but crucially, Frank, what are you going to use your green ink for? You've got well, four options here. No, but here's the thing. I thought to myself, wouldn't it be brilliant? My real dream for Cola Pen was if there was no green ink and the green ink was replaced by a pencil. Uh. And then the next time I went into Ryman's, I saw that very <laughs> instrument before me. Green ink replaced by... And like I'd willed it into being. <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever see... Um, I, just, I saw that very instrument before <laughs> me. You're talking about a pen, Frank. But this is my life's blood. <laughs> Did, there was a Richard Burton film called... Um, I think it was the Medusa Touch. Do you remember it? Oh, I loved the Medusa Touch. It'd be late seventies, and he is a man who could do, who could will things. Oh. So um, it, it, there's a bit where um, he makes a plane crash. He's talking to this guy, and he mm. says, well, I'll, "I'll prove this to you once and for all." <laughs> and then he makes it. <laughs> and this woman is in his flat, and they're having yeah. an argument. This woman saying, "Oh, you." One of those 70s um, portrayals of women. He said, Why don't you jump out of the window? And you hear, from next door. Um, And it ends. It ends in the most 1970s threat way you could ever. Because it ends with, um, I think he's arrested or something. I don't know if he dies or whatever, but he leaves a note. Oh, and it's yeah. this is how someone who can will things to happen threatened the the country. Mm-hmm. In the, it just it just says wind scale. Oh, do you know wind scale? <laughs> it became Sellafield, but it was that, oh, right. then we all thought it was going to blow up all the time. Oh. Sorry, I must stop these old man punchlines. <laughs> You were talking about the uh, the seventies film with uh, Richard. Oh, Burton. the Medusa Touch. <laughs> yes. Why they always called things like the Something Touch? I think it was one of those films where Richard Burton needed the money. I think, you know, he'd oh, done his uh, he'd done his classical things. He'd, he'd read Under Milk Wood. Oh yeah. And uh, but they always had. That's another whatever happened to Frank ESP. You don't hear so much about the ESP these no, days. No. 
Yeah, it was much... extra sensory perception. <laughs> you don't really yeah. get that now. The sort of um, the sort of thing where in a in a TV show or a movie, the camera would zoom in quite quickly on someone's forehead, <laughs> and a sort of sort of noises would play. Yeah, and then things would move and yeah. stuff in there. They love telepathy in the seventies. <clears throat> the Champions, yeah. that TV series, oh, and yeah. if you remember that, they were in I think a plane crash in Tibet. And they were taken, obviously, to a sort of monastery. Of and course. they developed ESP. Yeah. Right. So, meanwhile, I think... I tell you, that, that programme, what they loved in that programme, the people the who made the champions, and there was a woman in it who, as a child, I, had, I thought was the most beautiful woman ever. And you know when you go back mm. and watch people who you had a crush on when you were a kid and think, oh... Didn't happen with her. <laughs> Still looked absolutely amazing. Mine all anyway, cancelled, I'm afraid. But what they really loved, the champions, <laughs> the people who made it, was that big fountain in... Um, what, where is it in Switzerland? Is it Grenoble? It's not Grenoble. There's that big high jet oh, squeezing, yes. squirted out exactly of the sea. Oh, yes. I've seen it not live. Not Lausanne or one of those, but anyway, yeah. They had that on every possible shot. They could do. They really, oh. they were so pleased. They thought people would love this, like a big squirt of water. <laughs> Again, in those days, that was a spectacle. That was enough. Yeah. We're getting, we're still getting some insight into the usage of green ink. Wow. Yeah. Dave in Sunbury. Morning team. Back in the day, bank branch inspectors used green ink. Staff lived in fear of their visits and were forbidden to use green ink in any way. It's interesting because there's people in some authority were using it then. Yeah. yeah. It seems like it was the, the colour of choice for scrawling words like unacceptable <laughs> over a paragraph of text. Well, I was watching the football at the weekend and um, Manchester United, I was watching a bit of Manchester United and Eric, has it Eric Dentarg, um, the manager, was using a uh, four-colour slider pen oh, so maybe he like does a bit of greening for the um, for the really important bits yeah but yeah I was very excited to see that being used he'd be a nice friend for you Frank mm. but it all ended disastrously because I was I was reading a book yesterday and making I do a lot of marginalia so I was scribbling in the margin and after being after scribbling for about ten minutes, I realised I hadn't got my pencil slide down. I had my black ink, and I did that, which I have condemned many for. I wrote in a book, I mean a book book in ink. <sighs> Vandalism. So I, I don't know what to do with myself. Okay. Oh, there was something else. Someone actually spoke to me about the show this week, so it's still being broadcast. Oh, that's and good um, to that's know. good. And it was a reprimand. Oh. What did they say? That I'd, um, I was um, about to tell something last week and then I didn't tell it, so I'll tell it after this. Frank Skinner. Absolute Radio. Frank, just, uh, just in from Dave, uh, who's one of our regulars, 782, as he's also known. Frank, it's called Jet Doe and is in Lake Geneva. Geneva, of course. We're talking about the fountain that... Yeah, the, the big squirter. It's not even like a fountain, no. though. It's not like a beautiful, ornate thing with big fish with, with big lips on them like you get with water coming it's out. It's no and Neptune. No. No, it looks like a leak. It looks like a, a burst pipe. <laughs> oh, right. But they're very, very fond of it in Geneva. You had some business to take care of. Yes, well, someone pointed out that I'd said on my birthday I watched uh, a... Fi I don't know if I mentioned this bit, but it is a tradition in, in my family, um, me, Kath and Boz, that on your birthday you choose what's on telly that night and the other two have to watch it. Oh, what a treat. <laughs> so I chose the 1965 film Doctor Who and the Daleks. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, That's why I wasn't available that night. I see. A friend of mine um, got in touch with me and said, how was your birthday? I said, it was great. I said, and uh, in, the, uh, in the evening, I got um, Boz and Kat to watch Doctor Who and the Daleks. And he texted back, 
had they been naughty? Was <laughs> 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 his response. Anyway, we watched it. It's it's um it's a very strange phenomenon that film. I don't know if you remember, but someone sent me a brilliant book about the two. There's there's this one in a film called Dalek Invasion Earth 2150 AD, and they were like. The guy who invented the Daleks, Terry Nation, then decided, well, I can go away and make feature films and I don't need to give the BBC any money. But can you, Terry? Um, well, he did it. So there's things... So doc, there is a Doctor Who, but it's Peter Cushing, and he's not from uh, another planet. He's like an inventor, and he's actually called Who. Who is his surname? <laughs> but anyway, it's brilliant. I love it. And... Um, I, I realised that one of the Thal in it, which is uh, the good guys in it, is played by a woman called Yvonne Antrobos. Oh, yeah. And Yvonne Antrobos, who's an actress, has got like, quite a good uh, speciality. Mm-hmm. And she's one of the country's leading abridgers. Oh. So she abridges, that's what she does. You know when you, I don't know if you're ever on Audible and you're thinking, I wouldn't mind listening to um, Gulliver's Travels and you see Gulliver's Travels, nine and a half hours, Gulliver's Travels, nine hours, 23, and you think, oh, they must read pretty quickly. And then you get Gulliver's Travels, hour and a half, and you think, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been abridged. Oh. Not necessarily by Yvonne Ant, but what a great, um, what a great job that must be—a bridging, summarising. Obviously, things can be abridged too far. <laughs> but um, wow! <laughs> so, what did Fra- uh, what did Kath uh, and Boz make of the Dalek? Boz thing? quite liked it. Kath at the end sat in silence for about twenty seconds and then mm. said. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, as reviews go, it was merciless. This is Frank Skinner. This is Absolute Radio. This is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean and Pierre Novelli. You can text the show on 8 12 15. <laughs> 1215. Oh. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Frank on the Radio. <laughs> Email the show via Frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. There are some things that simply do not work in some accents. No. And I, I think the word Instagram in a sort of Appalachian hillbilly accent no. does, yeah. does not track for me at all. There's a feeling that in those mountain communities, you're not going to get any Wi Fi. No. no. Haven't no one... got time for Instagram? No. Take a selfie by my dune buggy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. No, they took a nice picture of the bloodhound. Yes. They like yeah. a bloodhound. Smell hound. Mm. Yeah, they do like a bloodhound. Why do they like a bloodhound? I don't know. They're, they're hunting dogs, aren't they? And they, yeah. they hunt a lot yeah. to track things yeah. down. Okay. Yep. They <laughs> sure do. Yeah, Make sorry. me a squirrel pie. <laughs> Um, and they're very sinister about the weather. The weather's a sinister beast, yes, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Storms are coming. Yeah, it's a sinister. Yeah. I was driving in uh, Mississippi once and I drove accidentally drove into a small community. I went up this wrong side road thing. Oh, Gulliver's Travels. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and it was, there was probably about five or six shacks and people came out and I honestly thought, I'm going to... I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to turn around and get out as fast as possible. I'm sure it was my own. But there was literally a man who had dungarees on with, like, nothing underneath. Well, I don't know if he had nothing <laughs> underneath, but yeah. no top. And I was afraid. Was he, like, the grandpa figure in Star No, he was, a, he, was a young, he was a young man. Oh, he was a young man. Yeah. That's more frightening. Yeah, he looked like he could take me you, down. I'll tell you who favours a dungaree, I've noticed. I mean, consistent dungaree wearer. Go on. Well, I went to see uh, Pierre Novelli live. I did the same as you, Frank. Oh, yes. I went a week later. Mm. One tier below, I was a week later. Fabulous. Congratulations. Thank you. Afterwards, I bumped into uh, a friend of yours, a mutual friend of yours. That's right. Our old tour manager. Your old tour manager. Oh, no, yes. No, Omar, he... 
Dungarees, he didn't disappoint. No, yeah. he can carry off a he dungaree. He had a DM with a heart. Yes, I remember those yes. DMs. Have you come across them before? Oh, certainly. Oh, yeah. Okay. He sends his best, comment. Frank. Yes. Now, he's a, he's a very flashy dresser and a fabulous human being, he I is. would he's say. He's charming. Consistent dungaree sounds like a, the name of a sort of guitar-playing nun or something. Kind of I a, think... Um, old blues icon. Sir Geoffrey Consistent Dungaree could be <laughs> in a Oscar Wilde short story. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Where were we? Um, what about outsidey worldy? Oh, OK, mm. OK. We've got... Well, I have to say, Frank, um, I know you don't like to boast. It's no. It's not your way, really, is it? I'm not... Um, it's interesting. I was watching a um, documentary about Scottish poetry mm. and presented by a woman called Jackie Kay. I don't know if you think that's a poet. And she is... Uh, a, a parentage is Nigerian... I, and she um, has grown up in Scotland, so she's Scottish. And she, the woman who she was interviewing started saying, well, you know, Jackie, you, you're a major influence on young Scottish poets. We, you, we look up to you. And this woman was talking. I was waiting for Jackie to interrupt, but she didn't. Oh, really? And she just kept going. And so she finally finished this compliment. Jackie hadn't interrupted. And Jackie said, thank you very much. She said, some Scottish people don't like uh, compliments. She said, but the, the Nigerian part of me is just, no, you keep going, keep bringing it. <laughs> and it was great, because I think the accent had slightly fooled this woman that this was, she said, oh, no, that's too But No, she didn't. She said, no, 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 I agree with that. I am brilliant. It was that kind of thing. Well, you're going to have to tolerate this, because Tedley Manor has got in touch to is say... The house or the person? It's mm. a person. OK. Or is it an attitude? It's, it could be everything. Yes. Okay. It could be all of those things. Frank's Poetry Podcast resumed uh, last week, I believe it was. Yes, it's, it, it, it's it, back. It, it births on a Wednesday. Mm. And we've had a lot of people getting in touch. Very pleased to hear this. But Tedley Manor has said, thank you for bringing the Poetry Podcast back. I never thought I'd be listening to poetry at 11 o'clock at night. I wonder, what time, I, wonder, I wonder what time. 11 o'clock at night. I wonder what time Ted Lee had in mind he would be listening to poetry. <laughs> po poetry feels like a sort of 11 a.m. Do you think? 11 a.m. or 3 p.m. Oh, do you think? Uh, either side of lunch. I'll tell you what I think poetry is. 4.30 p.m. Sunday afternoon. Oh, that's okay. when poetry please goes out, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> God, you've got exactly the same scheduling mind as Radio 4. <laughs> We've got all sorts, haven't we, boy? Mm. That's what Bertie Bassett was saying to me just the other week. I don't know about you and me. your celebrity friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, so, he's always name dropping the Bassets. Never takes the hat off, Bertie, <laughs> when he comes out. Would there. you call them the Bassets if they were friends? Like, has he got a family Bassett or is he a loner? I don't. Know. I would be surprised to find that the manufacturers of licorice all sorts. Oh, I can't remember the name of. Haven't come up with some Bouncy? sort of um, action figures or, or a sort of a, a, a tedious world expansion where there's a there's a sort of son and a cousin and a, a whole bastard clan. Interesting, <clears throat> you say tedious world expansion because mm. I am the person who's personally lobbied for a Mrs. Davros, as you know, yes. Frank. I want to see their home life. It's the only thing that's... Me These sci-fi things, if they, j if I just knew a little bit more well, the, the about my... their relationships oh, and their inner lives, I, I might well, be on board. Just uh, by way of a, a link I can no longer resist, mm. um, Doctor Who had a character oh, called go. the Candyman who was just a blatant <laughs> rip-off of Bertie Bassett, but life-sized. When I say right. life-sized, I mean, human beings. Was it a side. villain? Yes. Oh, Good. No. And um, <laughs> I think that's absolutely correct. I think they got a call from the uh, <laughs> sweet, call. sweet manufacturers saying that you can't, you can't uh, recast Bertie Bassett as a villain. For Does children. Bertie Bassett have a top hat and a cane? 
He had a top hat, certainly. He definitely has What's a hat. His, who is he? He's a Nepo baby. He's, is it? <laughs> He's the original Mr. Nepo baby. <laughs> he Mike Bassett. <laughs> yeah. Who is he? He's Mr. Uh, he's Mr. Licorice All Sorts. Yeah. And so he's constructed of Licorice All Sorts. Yeah, he's a sort of golem. Yeah. Yeah. But why Why is he posh then with a the top hat? I think um, once you've called him Bertie, you've <laughs> committed <laughs> to at least upper middle class. <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, so, yeah, he comes from that long line of <laughs> upper class logo men. Yeah. Like Mr. Mr. Planter. Monopoly man. Monopoly yeah. man. Why are they always posh? Who's your favourite uh, <laughs> upper middle class logo man? Eight, twelve, fifteen. <laughs> or woman, but I can't think of Phineas anything. Phineas Fogg. He was another potion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he was a, a he was a fictional character originally, wasn't he? Yeah, I know, but they turned him into it. The reason they liked him as a logo man is because he was posh. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, okay. you're right. <laughs> but there'll be others. I think it was to reassure us in the working classes that it, they had the seal of <laughs> approval from those who were born to rule. Don't That's... worry, these, these sweets are well in hand. <laughs> exactly. We've got it covered. Don't we worry. We thought we were living the high life, eating licorice all sorts. <laughs> I am an enormous fan, I have to say. And don't send me any, I can afford it. But I, um, I do love a licorice all sort. Favourite shape? Well, I like the multi-layer sort of, you know... The lasagna one. Yeah, the one, the lasagna we one. We once had... I'll describe it as a huge argument about oh. those jelly things. Well, I love those. Those blue and pink atrocities. No, he I love thinks are fa- What I are love they them. even? Like cushions. They're horrible. But what a fabulous juxtaposition of textures. The brittle roundness of the hundreds and thousands oh, okay. and the and the jelly the the quite stir, a bit like you know when I used to eat jelly before it was made into jelly and just eat it in squares it's got that sort of jelly with attitude it's just it's a weird Mrs Slocum hat I don't like masculine it. I don't know I was going to say masculine jelly but I don't want that if anyone just turns on and hears that I'll just turn off again but jelly that's very sturdy is what I'm trying to get across oh god <laughs> We've been talking about the sort of aristocratic character on branding. Mm-hmm. You have your ba- your Bertie Bassett, mm-hmm. Monopoly Man, Mr. Monopoly, Planter, Mr. Planter. Uh, I think he's called Mr. Peanut. Yeah, in fact, and he works for Planters. Anna Banana says... Uh, oh, I thought that was one. I don't remember that <laughs> no, she, one. Anna's one of our regulars. Yes, I remember. Anna Banana, Pringle Man wears a bow tie, pretty dapper. That's true. Yes, and the moustache. I thought he might be an academic. I, I think he's got a more sort of continental flavour. He's okay. a sort of mm. um, very chic Italian gentleman, I see him as. I thought he might be a professor of Tibetan architecture. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read him that way? Professor Pringle. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. I read him as uh, a sort of a sommelier, maybe, on the Amalfi Coast. Oh, why is a sommelier? Oh, they know all about the wines. Oh, They're the person, those. you know, when you go to the restaurant... They're the ones that wear a, a grapes <laughs> yes. badge. Ah, oh, that's crazy. That's really ones. reducing their job to the absolute <laughs> basics. Grapes. What happens is that... It, and also, it's a terrible faux pas which I've done this before, if the sommelier approaches and usually looking like someone, uh, the Pringle man, and you say, as I did once, oh, could I have a Diet Coke, please? <gasps> mm. You can't oh, do really? that. Yeah. That's not his remit. Do they tap That's the not... grapes badge? <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I was wearing my Jester's Bells badge <laughs> and he realised I was not to be taken seriously. <laughs> they did. And That's then, uh, the worst thing you can do. The waiter came in who had a, a, a cowering man badge <laughs> to suggest civility. <laughs> we should all wear badges that break our trades down to the absolute basics. Of the most insulting. I mean, a wine expert with a with a grapes badge that really is going to also- the core of the business. <laughs> 
It's a strange job, isn't it, the sommelier? Because they're only... They're sort of a strange part of the show. They're only on. They're on every night, but at odd intervals. Well, I my problem, on the occasions I've been in those places, of course, I don't drink, so they come over mm. and I just... And they go away. Hmm. Really slight disapproval. Yes. To yeah. hell with them. <laughs> We've got... Yeah. We yeah, I'm not in the. No, I don't want any grapes. That's what I should say. <laughs> oh, I couldn't eat a grape now. No, 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 no. Honestly, I don't want a grape. Yeah. No, I'm a member of the Grapes Fan Club. Oh, <laughs> weird. What we, with pips or souls pips? <laughs> Sorry. I was just going to say we've also had this in us. Uh, interesting, potentially controversial choice, but I like it. Mm. See what you and Pierre think. Traditionally not middle class, but Birdseye have turned the captain into a smouldering IPA drinking... It's just disappeared off my screen, I do apologise. Smouldering IPA drinking, high-end thread-wearing silver fox. I have Ah, photographic evidence... But still nautical. Nautical, but he does look like a sort of an Armani captain now. Yeah. Have uh, you seen? Have no. you seen the refurb? I'm just looking at him now, and I would say he looks recreationally nautical as opposed oh, to sincerely. Oh, it's like he's a yacht captain, <laughs> right? He's not military anymore. What he no. looks—he looks, he looks uh, Grattan catalogue nautical. Oh, what he looks is fabulous. Has he been on the nautical step? <laughs> He's had a fabulous rebrand. Oh, I don't want that from Captain Birdseye. What I want is little bits of card amidst the whiskers. <laughs> That's what I want from what I, what I want is an answer as to how on earth he claims to provide peas. <laughs> Does He's he? a man of the sea. Birdseye yeah. peas? Yes, where? From where? Whence the peas, Captain? You're so right. you've heard of sea peas, <laughs> surely. And, and potato waffles. He's got no business dabbling no. in those. For me... Um, Keep it simple, Yeah. The, the potato waffles, well, they'll always be... Uh, the pr- on the uh, on the premises of uh, birds either because yeah. of their fabulous. Do you remember the song? Yeah. Birds eye potato yeah. waffles. They're waffly versatile. <laughs> versatile. But waffly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what do you mean? It reminds me of when um, what was he called? Gary Bushel. He wrote in the Times a review of. The um, adaptation of Charles Dickens is Martin Chuzzlewit, in which he said, too much chuzzle and not enough wit. (laughs) And I thought, what's happening? He he obviously really enjoyed the phrase, and not enough wit. He was prepared to sell his soul (laughs) and say that there was too much chuzzle. Chuzzle? (laughs) I don't think so, Gary. Now, I have a question for Pierre. Go on. And I don't know if this is fair that I should ask Pierre, but I'm doing it as a sort of a link. And it's something that me and Emily were discussing. And then I I said we can ask Pierre, because he's got inside information. And it's a question, um, it's based around your close friendship with the comedian Phil Wang. Yes. (laughs) Now, Phil Wang... Yes. (laughs) <laughs> he um, hosts, if I can use that word of something so brief, he hosts a sort of an advert on the BBC. Oh, this. And I thought, is it, if one writes in or does, could I be sitting playing cribbage in EastEnders? Or not necessarily me, but anywhere for. Is that, does one actually win a part in a show? Or does I am I photoshopped into a still? Is it a CGI thing? This is what we can't establish. No, you're, you're, is it real? You're real. You're in it. You actually really? get to be in a BBC production. Yes, the recent uh, um, burst of those adverts or, or promotional materials include the f- the very footage of some of the winners so far. I hadn't got. I've, I can't think of anything ever broadcast on television which I have understood less <laughs> than that. <laughs> I think what because what, we're a, huge. what how, how do you do? How do you get it? What is it? I mean, if you don't, if you can't answer those two things about a competition, <laughs> is it even a competition? We should establish we're yes. big Wang fans. I'm, I'm not. I we mean, love you know, Wang. we've all we just we've all got to eat. 
<laughs> I'm just saying. I, do, I really don't know what's on off. How do I get it? You write in about how much you love some show and what oh. you want or something. Or it's, it's all about appreciating the BBC. To be oh, okay. The representative for the competition. I'm his, I'm his second. But I'm trying don't... to help out because some yeah. people, I, th- I suspect people aren't writing so they don't only to say what's going on. It's unlike you to give unsolicited advice, though. I'm not offering it. <laughs> I'm just saying if you want to make a success of this thing, let's tell us what's happening. <laughs> what but I, but I can say if you if you look it up, there are there's already footage of happy viewers being extras in their various uh, shows. That if you want to make a success of this thing, is that what you said to Andrew Lloyd Webber when you told him to change uh, no, the panel? But. Um... You know, I think it's a lovely idea, you know, Auntie Edie being in um, Happy Valley. Uh, oh, I don't think Happy Valley you'd want to be in, Frank. It's not what you think it is. Isn't it? Well, it's, it's I've quite seen bleak. It. I mean, I don't think... I haven't actually seen a whole one, but you know what I mean. People absolutely love it. Oh, and... it's fantastic. But, um... Yeah. I don't like dramas very much. Do you not, Frank? How, is, how can you tell if they're good if there's no jokes in it? <laughs> it's people talking. If people talking, I can get to the shop. <laughs> um, my brother-in-law will never speak to me again oh, after that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, I'm sure. Obviously, people do love Happy Valley, and it must be it's amazing. Fantastic. But um, could I be in it as someone who was like trapped in a lift with yeah. Sarah Lancashire? Yes. Could so you? That could happen. Yes, I think could so. Could you? And what think, do I, I have to do? Just write in and say, I really like this show. You, it's, it's, there's a sort of raffle aspect to it, I think. Oh. I don't want to be an extra. Not, I want not, a proper speaker. No, proper no. Part. No talking allowed, I'm afraid. Oh, I don't no, I have no. to. Are we, well. No talking. Um, so, if, how do you get in the Tom Bowley? You have to write in a letter and say, I so love Submit it. Your, your request. I God, think. it's act, on a programme where we disapprove of praise, to be actually. <laughs> Soliciting it. <laughs> Come on. You're better than that, guys. Frank Skinner. Frank Skinner. On Absolute Radio. Well, I can honestly say I've I've toured with Pierre Novelli and worked with him a few times on this show. I've never seen him quite so spiky as he's got <laughs> about the BBC Let's Put Extras Out of Work advert. Yeah. Uh, the big fun contest. Yeah. He's got really tetchy <laughs> about it. He's defending. He's defending his mate, but we weren't uh, laying into the no, fabulous. No, Phil Wang does a very right, charming. He's got a script, you know. He's I suppose he could have said, "This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no one will know what this means." But you know, it's, it's early, in his, early in his career to be putting his foot down like that. It will come. It will come. It will surely come. The ability to. To make demands. To say, wouldn't it? Would it help? Uh, Can't you hear me saying? Well, do you think it would help at all if people could actually understand this? Hating on the set, of course. That's what he's trying to avoid. Um, so, uh, but look, I think we've we got further down. They don't write a letter; they fill in a form. That's what. Um, it gets even more complicated. It turns out. Oh what no! What do you mean? They had to film themselves. Oh. Film themselves. Mm. They that's were given a program-specific brief. And film themselves conducting an audition. Wow, this is just saving money, isn't it? Could Do be. they get paid for their part? It's unclear. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Hang on a second. So Slave labour, the BBC. <laughs> you film Extras yourself. Extras who are getting like eighty quid a show for doing these standards. I mean, yeah. the unions would have been up in arms back in were, the day, can were, I say? Yeah. What about when I heard a, an extra on a show I was doing say, yeah, well, I was talking to one of the extras and they said they'd only got the part because they'd slept with the writer. And I was the writer and it was my brother. It was our <laughs> key. And we had slept together in our childhood. But he had, this has caused some consternation in their um, caravan, the extras, that this guy had uh, jumped the queue. Like well, they're very. I was told when I was a child actor, um, I wasn't allowed to do extra work. Mm. Because it's take if you got had an equity card, it was taking the work off the extras. Nowadays, 
They just say write into us and we'll give you a part. Yeah, and we'll we'll have um, <laughs> we'll have free ones. They must have. There been must be paid. extras are never low on moaning. I mean, they'll be <laughs> sitting around saying, "Can you believe these people, Tom, Dick, or Harry, just writing in now and taking our work?" They must have been paid. There must be a crippling amount I should of oversight. Hope, I should hope they're paid. They couldn't. They wouldn't do that. Would they? I love no. that we've talked about this <laughs> for the last twenty minutes. Well, I like to say we are also oh, I know as well you as. Like to. As well as messing like about, to. we are also a voice for justice. <laughs> justice! Oh, by the way, in the next hour, if you've ever had a Valentine's card or sent a Valentine's card that's actually led to anything interesting, and it could be love, but there are more interesting things. Um, 8 12 15. This is uh, Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. With Emily Dean and Pierre Novelli, you can text the show on 8.12.15. Follow the show on Twitter and, and in oh, it's much harder than it sounds. And Instagram at Frank on the Radio. Email the show via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. Okay. Tis done. And if it's tis done, tis better, tis done quickly. Mm, Regarding the... the- the query to the world, re Valentine's cards. Mm-hmm. We've had one of the mo- one of the most roller coaster ride texts I think the show's ever oh. received. Come on. It's from eight nine nine. I once received a Valentine's card to my home address. Written inside it was quote Can't wait for the next office party. End uh-huh. quote. Uh-huh. My husband at the time went mental. Uh, yes. Uh-oh. I enlisted the help of the post room at work to try and find out who sent it, to no avail. I had done nothing wrong at all, but ultimately it set a seed of doubt in my husband's mind, and our marriage ended a couple of years later. <laughs> oh, no. oh, This no. was about 30 years ago. I still have no idea who sent it. I went on to meet a great man who I've been married to for nearly 24 years, and we have four amazing children. Happy days. Oh. <sighs> wow. Breathe out. Cuts <laughs> to the husband thinking the best form of defense <laughs> is attack. It was my card. And green ink it was. If this is been a 1970s film starring Richard Burton. It, of Lord. course, would have been his car. Yes. It would have been called The Happy Valentine. <laughs> oh, excellent work. So proud of him. How, <laughs> how extraordinary. Yeah. Gosh. What a sinister thing to do, whoever sent it. If what, it, if what, it. I was going to say, what a fabulous thing to do. Well, the reason, the reason <laughs> I... Give me drama. some ideas. Given me some ideas. The reason I ask the Valentine's question is sending uh, Valentine's cards, um, you know, anonymous and, mm. and all that, sounds like an enormous plot device for life, that things are going to come off that. And I've never met anyone who said, yeah, I got this card and then blah 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 happened i mean that yeah. one is the f- the first time it's it's remarkably on anecdote worthy the valentine's card given tradition yes. it's possible given it's so loaded mm. that's yes. true and even this is an example of it doing some unwinding rather than some yes. winding yes mm. how it well what a tale gosh Yes, anyway, if, if you've got a Valentine's... But I mean, they don't have to be that bleak. No. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> a happy ending. ending. It, it had a happy ideally... Ending. I hope we can hear from the husband, see what happens to him. Yeah. Oh, what, the original? The original, yeah. the OG? Yeah, exactly. The, the OG. First gen. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be hearing from him. No, I don't. I don't think we'll hear from him. No, we won't hear. Uh, we've also... You know what, Frank? I've got an idea. I think... We should take a little trip down into Previously Corner. How would you feel about that? Um, we got a, We I, haven't got a jingle, but I trust you to think bit, on bit, your feet. This'll do. OK. OK. First up on Previously, Russell Croucher... I yeah. already love Russell Croucher because in parenthesis he's put non-MBE. Okay. Do we all have to do that now every time we communicate? With no, you? I just assume other people aren't. Oh my! Unless God. they tell me otherwise. So Russell, Russell Croucher. Morning all. 
I'm a couple of weeks behind on your podcasts. And I, Thanks. And I only just heard the cartong story. Do you want to briefly... Do you remember this, Frank? Yes. Um, uh, someone was in a car with a female friend and they stopped at a car park thing when you have to... Um, Get your ticket out, yeah. and she suddenly took out a set. I imagine them as laund, those wooden laundry tongs. Uh, reached through the window and took <laughs> took the ticket with the tongs. This is not a COVID avoidance. No, this is um, not being able to park close enough to the. Yeah. Uh, to but the she was machine. prepared, which astonished all of us. Uh, you see, I was imagining more you sort of bacon or sausage, barbecue tongs. Yes. Oh, okay. I wish they were like that. Well, they could have been. We never, we never cleared on what no. the tongs were like. But the fact that they were there for that yeah. purpose, it wasn't coincidental. In the pocket of the did door. You, did you have any in mind? Hair tongs or? I went no. straight to barbecues in yeah, my mind, as I often do. Well. Yeah, okay. yeah, he's going to think barbecue straight away. Do you know? If I'm imagining you in my mind's eye, I think of you over a hunkered over a barbecue. Holding a pair of tongs. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of you in one of those blue butcher's aprons at a, <laughs> and nothing else. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. I'd like to return us to Russell Croucher, non-MBE. Oh, yes. That's not judgment from my POV. That's that's just he felt the yes. need to tell us that. Yeah. He's taking us back to cartongs, which we discussed yeah. on this very show. Funny, he was called Gordon. It could be Gordon of cartongs. Oh. <laughs> I worked in the car industry for McLaren Special Operations. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, I like this. It sounds quite stingray. It does yeah. a bit. Anything special operations, <laughs> yeah. I'm in. I'm I... just an old man, Commander. <laughs> I see silver face paint. <laughs> I see 19 late 60s plastic controls. Yes. Mm. I mean, we once had a client with a McLaren F1 road car, which famously has a central driving position and tiny windows, both of which make it extremely difficult to grab tickets from toll booths and car parks. Oh. The owner of this £15 million vehicle... I'm going wow, Eccleston, wee. but we'll come back to that. I didn't, it's know there was, I didn't know there was a vehicle that was worth Had that. Had the solution, a humble litter picker in the car. Uh, you don't want that in your million pound. <laughs> 15 million. 15 million. 15 million pound car. Can you hey, imagine Hey, get it? in, baby. Oh, don't sit on my litter picker. <laughs> Not yet. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, sorry. But what if you could use it to demonstrate a, a community mindset? You could say, yes, I have a £15 million car, but I, I care about the local wildlife, yeah. so I pick up stray bags. And, I would find yeah. that an instant... It would instantly mean I was going to leave, leave theirs at half past nine that evening okay. without calling again. And i tell you why. It implies a pettiness... Okay. That I wouldn't really get me in the mood. See, for me, it's attention to detail. That's true. <laughs> but also, the... you could say I've got two kids, and sometimes when they're in the back seat, they need sort of temporary throttling. But with I can't... sort of robot claw, <laughs> yeah. Inspector Gadget. But that's the problem, Pierre. I couldn't picture that person as someone who would be able to have a wild night of abandon if they're saying, excuse me, let me just get my litter picker. Yes. Like, yeah. mm. It's something... How about this? This car's worth 15 million, mm. but it still requires a litter picker to function. Mm. Get a 10 million pound car, spend five million pounds sort of having someone whose job is to be strapped to the roof or... Oh, or I was just going to say, yeah, actually, we've assumed this is a gadget... All this person says, Russell, says they had the solution, a humble litter picker. How uh, do we know it wasn't a man sat in the see, back of the car? Yeah. And that was his job. Middle-aged man in a high-fist <laughs> jacket and a bin liner. <laughs> yes. I hope it was. No, not if he's got... I can't remember where the young woman in the car came from. Did I add her or is she in the... Uh, <laughs> it, no, it's, um, it's, it's not great, that. I, I knew someone who managed... Um, John Cooper Clark in his um, in his darker days 
and he had a had a small house that he lived in. He'd sit and watch television. And uh, he had a walking stick. He had no walking difficulties, but he didn't have a remote control for the telly. So he would lean and press the buttons with his walking stick to change channel. <laughs> Fabulously, like Mrs. Havisham, or Miss Havisham, obviously, sorry. I don't want to say Mrs. Havisham an earlier shot. That's no. going to cut her to the quick. Frank Skinner. Absolute Radio. Now, this has come up in previously on this show, dot, dot, dot. Uh-huh. Alid from Cardiff has been it in can't touch. can't be. Mm. <laughs> I went to a party in Cardiff once and Alan Jones just happened to be there and I thought, that's what you want, isn't oh, it? And yes. What a charming man. Yeah. He is, uh, yes, charming. What about when I was walking with him, Frank, and the man came up to him and he said, he vaguely said, uh, what do you do then? Because we ch- he was a bit of a major type, Labradors. Uh. And he said, oh, yeah, I do singing. And he said... Oh, do you? What type? My wife's actually, she doesn't like much music. She's very into opera and classical music. Oh, oh well, perfect. Well, it wasn't. He didn't know. And then he, w- he got embarrassed, he would have been when he got home and realised. Um, well, I had him on my chat show many years ago, and whenever mm-hmm. anyone, a guest came on, I got the band to play, the Skinnerettes, I got them to oh. play a suitable tune. So he came on to... Um, if you tolerate this, then your children <laughs> will be next. Regarding <laughs> snowmen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Frank and Emily. This is Alid from Cardiff. Mm-hmm. Long-time reader. First time getting in touch. Nice. Mm-hmm. Now, Alid has attached a photo, but I will explain all. Mm-hmm. Attached is a photo of Wynne Evans, a.k.a. the Go Compare Man, Oh, yeah. Who has an upcoming concert here in Cardiff. Mm. I believe his marketing team have knocked it out of the park with the subtitle. Can I tell you what they've called it? Go on. Wynne Evans. Yeah, what what I really want to hear is there was a big show that he was comparing. (laughs) (laughs) Then I think I know what the slogan would have been. Well, can I tell you what they've gone for? Go on. Do you want to... No, no, go on. They've gone for Beyond Compare. Ah, oh, mm. very, very good. How do you? How do we feel about this? That question first to Frank Skinner. No, you think very good? I think that's absolutely top end. Do you? I do, I really like that. Okay. Well done. Well yeah. done, you. <laughs> um, I'm a fan, but I thought they could do more with the image. They could oh. be cheekier. Because it doesn't still look like the same guy. If you squint and sort of add a Wario moustache. Well, obviously, I haven't seen the the picture. I I don't like... um, I don't like him in the adverts as himself. Mm. I don't like... To me, it's like like Darren Brown telling you how he reads minds or something. It's gone too meta. Yeah, I I don't want to see behind the scenes of a go-compare... Advert. I just want to think that he is that eccentric opera man in the uh, starched mm. moustache. <laughs> well, we also you can't have... always get what you want, as I think Mick Jagger said. Is he... Although he had a damn good go, from is... what I've heard. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> is... take your own advice, Mick. <laughs> yeah. Is the Go Compare Man a candidate for posh Logan? Well, he has come up here. Oh, okay. He has been mentioned alongside the posh logo men. We've also, of course, had Home Pride Fred. Mm -hmm. Was he posh? Well, he he had a bowler hat, but I would say he went for a slightly 60s black polo neck. Yeah, I I thought he was like blue-collar worker (laughs) rather than posh bloke. But why the bowler hat? Was that that a...? Uh, Maybe that was like um, a sort of foreman-type symbol from the 1920s or something like that. Yeah, he's too busy to make his own pasta sauce. Yeah. He's been supervising... uh... Yeah, I I thought he was definitely on the shop floor, the home pride guy. We've also got the Caddish Fox from Old Speckled Hen beer. You you won't know about that, Frank. It's a alcohol-related thing. No, that rings a bell, though. Johnny. Foxy Bingo is a bit more nouveau riche. <laughs> <laughs> he he favoured a velvet jacket, if I remember, you like yourself, Pierre. He did, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I don't make as much money from the board. 
Well, he was... Uh, I presume he gambled ferociously. I think it might have turned out a bit lotto lout for Foxy Bingo. Did we it? haven't heard from him for a while. No, no, I think you might be right. <laughs> There's going to be a great story about the, the, the decline and fall of Foxy Bingo. <laughs> what would it be called? Tipping the velvet. Oh. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. Talking about the the posh logo figures, mm. someone has submitted Mr Soft. Now, oh. I would say he was more of a sort of Liam and Noel Gallagher raver type gentleman. Which one is Mr Soft? I'm thinking Mr. of the Steve Harley. He was the mint man who sort of... Do you remember him? Oh, he did soft mints. Yes, Jen, you remember that No, one? he oh. passed me by. Okay. Mr. Soft, close your eye down here, boy. <laughs> it's my Steve Harley. Uh, and Bulletproof, talking about the Pringles man, who mm. I did say was... I thought he was a sommelier on the uh, hotel on the Amalfi Coast, maybe. Bulletproof says, I always thought he was Italian, perhaps related to the Dolmios. But, mm. but if his name is Pringle... <laughs> yeah. Mm. That doesn't suggest he's Italian, does he? It would be the sort of thing where in the, in the Who Do You Think You Are episode, of course, they changed their surname in the war. Yes, of course. <laughs> to avoid prejudice. <laughs> exactly. He was a, one of the Pringalios <laughs> yeah. from Milan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but even if, 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 you, um, if you had like Italian blood and your name was Pringle, once you went into on, on stage, mm. once you were on, uh, on the tube... Mm. So we call it yes. in, in Pringle world. Um, you, you'd adopt an Italian name to hammer that home. I think that it would be difficult though, because if I saw an Italian name on a tube of crisps, I'd be expecting that to be reflected in the flavour. Oh yeah, you're probably right. It's a it's a tube of worms, really. <laughs> I had an int- I had uh, eggs in purgatory last Sunday. Really? Oh dear. I wasn't in purgatory. No, I, was I don't mean say. I had eggs in I was, pur- it I was, I was in Barnet. But, well, uh, well, well, yeah. You, no, <laughs> it's, you'd be surprised. It's, uh, have you ever had eggs in purgatory? I thought you were going to say, have you ever had eggs in Barnet? Uh, no, I haven't. What is it? It is. Is it some um, sort of Worcester sauce thing? No, it's eggs in sort of tomato like squidgy tin tomato tomato puree stuff and they sit in their own little island the eggs and this... it's all done in a big saucepan with garlic and it's fantastic <laughs> this is shakshuka um isn't it it may yeah, have an right, alternative I believe shakshuka <laughs> I believe um shakshuka <laughs> I think shakshuka has some um, more herbs than, oh, um, one of than eggs in purgatory. Oh, it's one of the hippie ones. So is eggs in purgatory, is, the, is this a sort of thing where someone went abroad and had shakshuka and went, well, well we, look, we must... I didn't, I didn't ask for it. Some origin story. I just well, you it. shouldn't be with Pierre, with Pierre then. He tremendously, will uh, It's tremendously nice, that's all I can oh. say, if you ever want to try it, it at home. Yeah, but you've got quite odd taste in food, right? Oh, it's lovely, though. Frank, may I just throw into the mix from Josh Jeffries? Do you think Little Mix and the people that work for them called the band The Mix? No. Okay. Uh, Josh Jeffrey has put forward Johnny Walker. Mm. Yes. For the posh man. The yeah. logo has actually got a name. It's called Striding Man. Is it really? And as Josh has pointed out, in the olden days, Striding Man had a monocle, but doesn't anymore. Doesn't Laser he? eye surgery, I suspect. Oh, he's dropped his monocle. Yeah. Does he still say, a four ye go? Does he still say that? Because what did that... That takes a bit of unpacking. What's he saying there? After, do you have a whiskey a four ye go yeah a quick a wee dram I wonder if or is fr- it someone saying uh, and a four ye go don't ever come here drunk again <laughs> and that's he's not striding but stumbling <laughs> oh. uh, he's, he's slipping yes. slipping on his own that's- vomit <laughs> sliding man <laughs> What about 
this. We were talking about uh, Foxy Bingo mm. earlier, who I believe you described as nouveau riche. That's what uh, it, he strikes me as such. Yes. 346 has put forward the fox in the fox's glacier mints advert. Always, always wore a different hat, if I remember correctly. Was he a bit fancy? Did he? I don't remember that. I don't. I, mean, I think of him as bar tat, as they say in Yorkshire. <laughs> what does that mean? Bareheaded. Um, you know, on Mil- on Ilkley Moor bar tat. Oh, lovely. Yes. Mm. And then three three one. The Pringles man socioeconomic status is mm. unconfirmed. Yes. But I can't. I mean, why would he be on the tube if he's got money? Uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot of people have asked that about me, of course. <laughs> it's called miserliness. Well, it's sometimes it's quicker, let's be honest. Yes. But I can't picture a working man getting away with that moustache without the lads at the factory winding you up every day. That's Carl yes. in Derbyshire. What say you? I think that's, that's probably true. I think he's... Um, you know, he's had it done for that photo, and then he's, there's no turning back. I think the phrase... Once, the pr- you, once you fop, <laughs> you can't stop, I would say. That's a lovely one. I think the phrase, the Pringles man's socioeconomic status is unconfirmed. <laughs> it's the sort of thing you say to start a nuclear war. Isn't that sort of coded? Yeah, exactly. I think it's the sort of thing yeah, you say Carre. at the yes. beginning of a date with me to know it's going to get a tick at the end. Oh, well, yes. Okay. <laughs> Did we get any more Valentine's stuff as it is actually this week? Oh, yes. You're getting a bit beggy. But did we get any more Valentine's stuff? Not, not many that are, are fulfilling the criteria that you wished for of, of sort of leading to something. We've oh, got another... Okay. That's a bit of a, bit of a reprimand <laughs> for our uh, yeah. contributors. Yeah. Frank, can I tell you something, Yeah, I will. Frank is... I would describe the logo for this as uh, surprisingly... Uh, what would I call it, Frank? You're back, you're back, you give good Valentine's Day. Mm. Valentine's Day. I would say that's a fair, wouldn't you? Frank splashes out on Valentine's Day. I, oh. Well, it's been a while. But, oh. um, now I, um, I, I usually do the dozen red roses and all mm. the all the but cliches. Said- I'm not scared of a cliche. <laughs> that's what you're thinking. I, I, I think you're quite extravagant on Valentine's Day. Uh, Lovely, thanks. Well, you would bring that up the year I've decided to stop. <laughs> to, to give in to the miserliness. Yeah, exactly. Saving the planet. Um, also, we've got the man from Del Monte being thrown in there. We'll discuss him. I think he's I a whole other I subsection. Yeah, I don't, no. think he's, I don't think he's posh. He's self-made man. <laughs> the first episode of the new series of Frank Skinner's Poetry Podcast is out now. And it's fantastic, may I say. Thank you. Episode two will be out on Wednesday. That'll be Carol Ann Doffy. We uh, download it from wherever you get your podcasts. It's a mystery we don't want to delve into. Thank you so much for listening today. And if the good Lord spares us and the creeks don't rise, we'll be back again this time next week. Now get out.